Taylor Hash is 21 years old and 100 feet above the ground. She's flying a plane solo for the third time ever. I had 57 total hours, so that's solo and with instructor, and I had 6.1 solo hours before this flight. On takeoff roll and lifting off the ground, everything felt great. Then she hears a message over the cockpit radio. Hey, that diamond star that just took off lost its nose wheel tire on the runway. Taylor is flying a diamond star. That voice on the radio just told the air traffic control tower that her front wheel fell off. I freaked out a little bit, you know, like, wow, he's talking about me. Second thought, oh my gosh, I don't have a nose wheel on my plane right now. Third is like, how am I going to land this? Landing a plane without a front wheel is difficult, even for a seasoned pilot. Taylor is very much a beginner. Wow, this could go really wrong. You know, I could end up not walking away from this or, you know, being injured or... Yeah, those things were all running through my mind at a million miles an hour. I'm Tora Kachur, and this is Tell Me What Happened, true stories of people helping people, an original podcast by OnStar. Every day when you wake up, you don't know if you'll be a person who needs help or if you'll be a person that helps someone else. It's important to remember that it's in all of us to be either one of those things every day. Taylor Hash is 20 years old and has no idea what she wants to do with her life. I was kind of in and out of college, changing majors. I hadn't found something that I wanted to spend the rest of my life doing. In the spring of 2020, Taylor drops out of school and gets an administrative job with a private airline. It's just a gig, but it does come with a very special perk. My view from my desk is the runway. So I every day would just look out the window and there's, you know, planes taking off all day long. Before she knows it, Taylor's found her passion. Watching that all day, every day, really just was like, wow, I want to do that. You know, I have to do that. I loved it. To live her dream, Taylor has to get her pilot's license. This is no easy task. There's two parts, a written exam, and then hundreds of hours of flying time, both with an instructor and then flying solo. It's an extremely expensive process, but Taylor is determined. In January of 2022, she passes the written test. A few months later, she climbs into the cockpit for the very first time. She's nervous, but the instructor's there if anything goes wrong. I hated landing at first. That's probably one of the hardest things I've done. Almost had a fear of at first. But Taylor works through that fear and graduates to flying solo. On March 24th, 2023, She's heading out for her third flight alone. No instructor. The flight I was planning to do that day was just kind of to the northeast of the airport, practicing maneuvers and playing with the airplane, getting used to being in it, you know, by yourself. It's early evening when Taylor arrives at the airport. 
She calls her instructor to check in. That's routine. They discuss the weather, the flight she's planning. It was a little breezy, but nothing, nothing too bad. It was a good enough day for a student pilot to go flying solo. Next, Taylor heads to the plane. I fly a Diamond 20. It is a two-seater, very, very small, single-engine aircraft. If you stand next to it, I'm about as tall as it, and I'm only 5'5". <laughs> They're really, really small. I've flown this exact plane many times, and I always check it out. You know, that's something that I was taught early on. Always look at it, look for anything that looks wrong or off. You know, you want to double, triple check everything. Taylor does a thorough check, and everything looks good. She calls tower control. 478 Delta Charlie Pontiac, runway 9 or 8 clear for takeoff. So when I took off, you know, on takeoff roll and lifting off the ground, everything sounded, felt, and looked good. Taylor is 100 feet off the ground when she hears this over the radio. Hey, that diamond started just took off, lost its nose wheel tire on the runway at rotation. At that point, I'm like, wow, he's, he's talking about me right now, you know? And I was just kind of like... Of course my instructor is not next to me right now. Like, of course I'm flying this plane by myself and this happens. This, a wheel falling off an airplane shortly after takeoff, is something that almost never happens. We train for engine failures and electronics failures and our communication not working, but you don't really train for a wheel falling off because it just doesn't happen. So I was just like freaking out and just in, you know, pure disbelief that this was happening. Taylor's processing all of this silently. Time slows down. I would say maybe 30, 40 seconds, which at that point felt like an hour. The air traffic control tower checks in with Taylor. Simon, 8 Delta Charlie, did you copy? Copy. Your entire front wheel assembly is on the runway. Roger that. Um, should I remain in the pattern? That last voice is Taylor. She sounds more confident than she feels. I wasn't really sure what my next step was. This is Tell Me What Happened, a podcast created by OnStar to showcase how important a human connection is when you need help. Whether you're stranded in a hurricane, lost in the mountains, or missing a wheel on your third solo flight. Taylor Hash is trying to remain calm. At the moment, everything is okay. But she knows she's gonna have to land the plane without a front wheel, all by herself. That's a challenging maneuver for even the most experienced pilot. It possibly could have been a, a deadly situation. If she was not prepared for it, uh, definitely the airplane would have been flipped over on its back and the flight crew would have been injured if they were not aware of what, what was about to happen. That's Chris Yates. He was on the tarmac that day and to say he's a seasoned pilot is a serious understatement. My father got his pilot's license when I was seven and I was his first passenger. I got bit by the bug, just hook, line, and sinker. Chris went on to work as a commercial pilot for 30 years, graduating from flying Will You Marry Me banners to flying cargo freight and corporate jets. We flew passengers, we flew worms, we flew college students to basketball. We did all kinds of stuff. Along the way, Chris becomes part of the vintage aircraft community, a close-knit group of pilots and fans of historic planes. 
I actively fly a 1941 Stearman biplane, which was a primary trainer in World War II. And I actively fly a P-51 Mustang. Mustang was the Allied war victor for, for the Allied forces in World War II. And that's just a very special thing near and dear to my heart to be able to share it around the, the country, flying it to air shows. And then to cap off his career, Chris spent seven years as director of operations for SpaceX. When he retires from the job, he's amassed over 15,000 hours of training, has a huge network, and is qualified to fly almost everything. These days, Chris is still flying, mostly freelance contracts for private clients. That's what he was doing on the day Taylor set off for her third solo flight. As Taylor taxied down the runway, Chris was waiting on the tarmac, preparing for takeoff. We had our passengers on board, we closed the door. I just happened to look out the window real briefly to the right for a second. Something caught my eye and I, I, I turned out the window and I saw this small training aircraft. And as it left the ground, it was very obvious to see a piece fall off the aircraft. It kept bouncing down the runway, was what I saw vividly. It was the tire and the axle and the front wheel of the aircraft. Chris's first thought is... Somebody's going to have a bad day. Chris assumes he can't possibly be the only person at the airport who saw the wheel fall off. But he's not hearing anything on the radio. I waited for a few seconds. Nobody said anything, nobody said anything, and it was very imperative to me that somebody needed to know namely the pilot, so I radioed the tower to let them know what I saw. I assumed it was probably a flight instructor with a student, and the flight instructor would handle it correctly. Copy, A Delta Charlie. Um, should I remain in the pattern? When I heard her say, should I remain in the pattern, it cued me into immediately, she's by herself. She's, she's low experience, she's probably a student pilot, or she wouldn't be asking that question. Chris checks in directly with Taylor over the radio. By yourself? I am solo. I would uh, love a bit of assistance, say Delta Charlie. Chris realizes he's Taylor's best chance at landing this plane safely. Air traffic controllers aren't trained for this kind of situation. They're trained to keep aircraft separated and keep the, the airport running and, and safe. So they have no experience in, you know, what you would know as a pilot. And I'm here and nobody else is offering, so I can't live with myself if I don't give her some best practices. Chris starts by slowing things down. I had her just fly to the north and collect herself. We're here all day, the airport's closed now. You have all the time in the world. He started just not disregarding the situation, but just making me think about something else for a second, calming me down and, you know, taking my mind off the fact that I was going to have to land a plane with, with no wheels. At this point, Taylor still doesn't know who she's talking to over the radio. They're still using call signs. So I wanted her not to feel alone, and I also didn't want to overload her with information, so it just felt natural to me to say, what's your name? My name's Taylor. So she said, my name is Taylor. And then I, I choked up and welled up and I didn't come back on the tower audio for, I don't know, 10 or 15 seconds. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, is my radio out? Is something wrong? Did he not hear me? And I'm thinking all these things. Um, my oldest daughter, his name is Taylor. 
And I taught her to fly when she was about 14, 15 years old. When she said her name was Taylor, I I couldn't even speak. I, I had a frog in my throat. I had a frog in my stomach. I had a frog in my chest. And uh, finally I came back and I said, you know, Taylor, um, my daughter's name is Taylor and I taught her to fly and I want you to know you're going to be just fine. You know, he starts calling me kiddo and he says, hey kid, it's going to be okay. I call my kids kiddo. I call everybody probably under 30 kiddo. And um, it just was like a, a natural way for me to relate to her and talk like a human instead of a robotic aircraft to aircraft situation. Chris knows his first step is assuring Taylor that she can do this. She was she was choked up, you could hear. But after that, her confidence grew. I could hear it in her voice. And then when I started asking about her airplane, asking her technical questions, she started firing the right answers back. I was just thinking, wow, thank God he is here right now, you know? I was just thankful that there was someone with experience and knowledge and his calming demeanor, that was probably the, the most important thing in this whole story was just how calming he was. The tower directs all air traffic away from the airport. Chris and Taylor keep talking. You gonna be a career pilot? I was planning on it. It's <laughs> a good start. This is a good story to your legacy, kid. I stopped being so shaky and I just, you can tell, I just breathe and accept what's happening and just, you know, kind of keep telling myself, like, it's going to be okay. I'm good. It's all good. From inside the cockpit of his plane, Chris can see the fire trucks and emergency response teams gather on the runway. Taylor, where are your reference to the airport? I am about six miles. Everything that can be done for Taylor is being done. Okay, how are you doing? But he doesn't think she's ready just yet. I suggested, let's not do a landing. Why don't you just bring the airplane in and simulate a landing, see where the wind's coming from and feel what it's gonna take to control that with the airplane without the nose wheel steering. You know, I say, hey, do I just treat this like a normal soft field landing? And he goes, yeah, I was just gonna tell you that. You know, he's like, you called it. And funny enough, earlier that week, I did a flight with my instructor and we practiced soft field landings, not two days before this happened, so. <laughs> And I said, now you know why. We practice them for a reason. And usually we we, we practice them to keep the nose out of the mud, but um, she was gonna hold the nose off to, to save her bacon. A soft field landing involves touching down on the rear wheels and keeping the nose of the plane tipped up. So you land your two back wheels first and just keep it raised, keep it raised, keep it raised, keep it raised until you're going too slow and it just gently sets itself down. This way, the plane doesn't tip over when it lands. It's not nearly as easy as it sounds, and it doesn't sound that easy. So Taylor turns around and flies back towards the airport, running through the steps of this complicated procedure. I climb and I'm talking to Chris, and he said, okay, let's, let's come in, but let's not land yet. Let's just get real low, real close to the runway, and then take back off. And I just watched her follow through with what we had discussed. And it was textbook. It was perfect. It was exactly like we talked about. She did a marvelous job. It felt really good. And it really upped my confidence in being able to do it. And I'm really glad he did have me do it. 
How's that feel to you? It feels good. I feel comfortable. You sound good. Almost a half an hour has passed since Taylor's front wheel fell off during takeoff. Now, it's time for the real thing. I was scared, but I wasn't thinking about being scared. And he's just talking to me the whole time, you know, speed looks good. All right, let's bring it down a little bit. He was just kind of telling me everything that was going to come next, so I wasn't, I guess, surprised by it. Chris thinks about what would help his own daughter the most, what he would have wanted as a beginner pilot. I would want in my earphones, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. The whole way down, it was just encouragement. You're doing good, you look perfect. He told me, you're going to hear some stuff that's not normal. You're going to feel some stuff that's not normal, because I I did still have a big, long bar coming out of the nose of the plane that the wheel was attached to. So when that hit, you know, it it wasn't going to feel or sound normal. Finally the make-or-break moment arrives. My back two wheels hit the ground, and he said, okay, you look good, you look good, keep that nose up, keep that nose up. I watched that through almost in slow motion as the nose came down, and I said, the nose is going to come down, the nose is coming down, there she comes, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. It finally sets down, and that bar hit the ground pretty, pretty roughly skidded for uh, maybe two seconds and then finally snapped. The plane kind of, you know, rocks back and forth and then the nose hits the ground. Incredibly, Taylor has executed a textbook soft field landing. Talk to me, kid. Good, I'm all good. a girl. Proud of you. And I just sit there for a second and then just, you know, start crying. Just kind of freak out, let it all loose. And then then I lost it. You know, she's fine. The airplane stopped. The fire rescue team um, got a hold of her and I knew, I knew she was safe and walked away. All of a sudden, things are happening fast. Now that Taylor is out of the plane, she and Chris can't talk anymore. Plus, Chris has his own flight to get in the air now that the emergency is over and the tarmac is opening up again. We departed with our passengers, business as usual, and we got halfway down the runway, and I looked to the left, and her and the two fire rescue guys were, their entire bodies were waving at us, just both hands. And his plane takes off and leaves. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, I didn't even tell him thank you. Before I, you know, shut the engine off, I just instantly did it. Um, so I was like, God, I got to find that guy, you know. Taylor does end up finding Chris, of course. They exchange messages and the two Taylors, Taylor Yates, Chris's daughter, and Taylor Hash, become friends. But Chris isn't done helping. She did everything right. She did everything right which is why I'm so happy to stand behind her and help her move forward in her career. Chris knows how difficult and costly it can be to get a pilot's license and break into the industry. He set up a GoFundMe to raise money and to help Taylor and other young people who need support. 
I always knew I wanted to start some kind of a scholarship or foundation for underprivileged kids to get into the cockpits. We're, we're going through a pilot shortage and I just wanted a way to give back. I'm honestly speechless about it all. And he's so tired of hearing me say thank you. Honestly, there's there's no other no other words, I guess, to say how kind of grateful I am for him for what he did. And I still I still can't believe this is all happening. As a passenger on a plane, the chances of experiencing an event like this are extremely slim. You are much more likely to come across someone who has a fear of flying. Maybe that's you. If you or someone you're traveling with has flight anxiety, you might prepare for a trip by getting some help from an expert. Amy Morin is a psychotherapist, best-selling author, and public speaker who's helped many clients work through their fear of flying. I asked her to tell me about a nerve-wracking experience she'd encountered on a plane, because we've all had those moments. Recently, I was on a flight where the flight attendant was serving drinks, and all of a sudden, the plane really started rumbling and we were bouncing all around. The flight attendant did this move where they grabbed like the overhead bin and swung around and they put their seatbelt on really quickly. And it was just, it all happened so fast. And it was a few moments of like, oh my goodness, because normally they give you the warning and then you experience it slowly. But this turbulence was really sudden and pretty intense. How did you react to that? I just looked around to see how everybody else was reacting. (laughs) And I saw the flight attendant handled it like swiftly, but yet Within seconds, he had pulled out his phone. So I had a moment where I thought either he's so used to this happening that he can you know, check his email without missing a beat or he's texting his mother to say goodbye. But he looked incredibly calm. And so that helped me stay calm when I thought, all right, if the flight attendant doesn't seem to be worried, then perhaps I don't need to be worried either. What is it about flying that makes us so fearful? Well, I guess we never really hear about flights that are successful, right? If it's going to make the news, it's going to be a plane that either got diverted because of an emergency of some sort, or there may have been an unruly passenger, or at worst, it's a plane crash. And when we see those things, we remember it. That's what sticks in our brain. And we forget that there are thousands of flights every single day that are successful because nobody talks about that. And so we start to think that that happens more often than it does. For some people, it's not the flight itself that's scary. It's more like, what if I get claustrophobic and the door is closed and I can't get up and go for a walk, especially if the seatbelt light is on. So I can't stretch my legs. I can't get fresh air. I can't go outside. So for a lot of people, all of their regular coping skills are taken away. Feels a lot like it's mostly a loss of control. Yeah, that's it exactly. When you're on a plane, you really have very little control over what happens next. So it's really important to figure out what's going to work for you if you're going to have anxiety on this flight. Having a plan is crucial. And we often talk about an if-then plan. If I get nervous, then I will, and you fill in the blank. And for some people, it's about walking through the worst-case scenario. So, all right, if, if I get on the plane and I end up starting to panic but the flight hasn't taken off yet, what would I do? Maybe you raise attention to the flight attendant. Maybe you bring out a magazine and you start reading. But as long as people know I have a plan in place and then they can keep the reward at the forefront of their mind. Why am I doing this trip? It's because I really wanted to go on this vacation. It's important to my family. I really wanted to see this person. Whatever it is, just keeping a list of all of those reasons sometimes can help people say, all right, this is scary, but it's worth it. And for people to know too, though, that sometimes 
even though you might have a plan laid out, plan needs to be flexible. I don't know where your gate's going to be. It might change. You might end up thinking like you're going to be in a place where there's lots of seating available. There might not be. So to have a plan, but to also make sure that that plan is flexible, make sure that you have several different ideas so that if option number one isn't available, there's always another option. What should you do if you panic during a flight? So some people, when they panic, they might say, my heart starts to race and I get sweaty and I feel like I can't breathe. Then we'll say, what will you do when you feel that way? And sometimes we even mimic those symptoms in the therapy office. Somebody might breathe through a straw and practice doing that. They might spin in a chair if they say they start to feel dizzy. And then we talk about, all right, how do you manage those symptoms? Although it's uncomfortable, panic symptoms themselves aren't dangerous. It just feels weird and causes us to think that something's about to happen. So then we really run through, well, how many times have you felt that way? And nothing terrible happened. And so for people to realize, all right, how safe am I when I get on a plane? statistically, you're pretty safe. So when they're prepared and they know, all right, just because I feel panicky on a plane doesn't mean I have to get off, doesn't mean I have to do anything about it other than perhaps some deep breathing exercises to calm both my brain and my body, then those panicky symptoms don't feel quite so scary anymore. What can other passengers do to help people who might even be strangers struggle with that flight-induced anxiety? Sometimes it's a matter of striking up a conversation And you might find that if the person next to you seems to be really nervous about the flight, you might just start talking to them to get their mind off of it so that they can get out of their head a little bit and have a pleasant conversation. You might also ask, is there anything I can do? You might ask if they need some water. Let them know that you fly a lot, that you feel really good about this flight. Even if those words come from a stranger, sometimes that can be quite soothing. Now, we've talked a lot about how people might fear flying. I, in fact, love it. (laughs) Is there a flight that you took that you loved? For my birthday one year, my husband let me take a flight lesson. He got it for me as a surprise. I was in Duluth, Minnesota. I had an incredible view of Lake Superior. The pilot let me fly for a couple of minutes. It was just an amazing experience to be able to see the plane from a different place other than just the passenger seat in the back. And your front wheel didn't fall off. It did not fall off, thankfully. (laughs) Amy, thank you so much for your advice today. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode of OnStar's Tell Me What Happened, true stories of people helping people. And if you want to share your own story about a stranger who showed up for you at just the right moment, look for a link at OnStar.com. Or if you're listening on Spotify, check out the Q&A feature. Let's share some love for people who help others in big ways and small. And while you're at it, share some love for this podcast It really helps if you review and rate us on your podcast platform or share this with someone who would enjoy it. On behalf of OnStar, I'm Tora Kachur, and please be safe out there.